This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brock Wilbur. This podcast is an extension of the pitch here in Kansas City, of which I am the editor-in-chief, which is why you get to hear my voice. Today, how is everyone doing out there? I am having a fantastic time playing host again. Uh, A thing that most people know about me, uh, if if they uh, knew me in Los Angeles or have known me in Kansas City, is that... uh, Anytime anyone is coming through, I've always said, like, we have a couch, we have a guest room, we have something for you. I will host as many people as I can, including sometimes too many for even the floor to handle in the case of some band friends. Um, So the last two years have felt a a little strange for me because I was pretty used to always having people crash in here and then getting to do my favorite thing, which is to play host, to drive people around town uh, force them to experience way too much barbecue in an afternoon. Uh, my friend Adam Caton Holland came through a few months ago, uh, and uh, he had to ask me to please stop because he had a show that night, and if I put any more barbecue or whiskey into him, he would indeed just fall asleep and miss uh, his his two-hour-long performances. So, yes, uh, overly fun at hosting. Last week, uh, got to play host to... Uh, a DJ passing through town, uh, San Francisco's favorite uh, goth DJ, who I actually saw a number of times in 2012 and 2013 in Portland, uh, was just like, oh, okay, this is fun to see you. Got to play host to my wife's little brother, uh, who's down from San Francisco. I haven't seen him in two and a half years. That was uh, just a wonderful delight of a time. Uh, And then um, last night... Uh, welcomed uh, a friend of my wife's from her job and her wife uh, who are in town for Casey Comic-Con where they have a booth where they sell books that they've written and art that they've made. And in an hour or so here, my friend John Michael Bond, uh, a comedian from Atlanta, uh, is going to be swinging through and spending the rest of the weekend with us as well. And it's just... um, it's just nice to have a full house again. If there was ever a time to use the phrase nature is healing... Uh, here we are. Uh, so just excited to have so many people swinging through back under the roof, uh, and uh, that feels pretty okay. Uh, anyway, today on the podcast, uh, we have an interview that I, I think is very cool and wildly important with Representative Ashley Bland Manlove. Uh, I just uh, have been overdue to talk to her about politics. She's a representative that uh, represents KC uh, in, uh, in the Missouri House of Representatives. Uh, she's done some incredible work while she's here. She's on her way out shortly. So we did sort of a, a post-mortem on her time and uh, talked about all the things left to do work-wise and also the musician Afro Man. Uh, I promise you it's relevant. He was just here to help with legislation she was working on. Yes, that Afro man from the song. Uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's an awesome interview we got coming up. We have, as always, Nick's Music Corner. Uh, but first up, I've got a quick interview here with Nate Bergman. Uh, Nate is a uh, musician. Uh, he used to front a band that was pretty heavy. He is now striking out as a solo performer with his first album coming out soon. Um, I don't know. 
It's just uh, very exciting to be able to sit down with him. I got to see him in his solo capacity for the first time a couple of months ago at the uh, Thursday uh, Cursive show. Uh, he was the opener and walked out to a room and just began performing a cappella, just singing uh, with no instrument and uh, no fanfare or announcement that he was starting a show. The lights didn't even go down. And everyone got real quiet real fast, and I was whispering to the people around me, like, I think this is one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen at, like, a loud, loud rock concert. So, like, thrilled to talk to him. His new album is is just a delight, and it's coming out shortly. So here's our conversation, me and Nate Bergman. Nate, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, hey, my name's uh, Nate Bergman. What do you do, man? Uh, I... Uh, I write songs, I record them, and then uh, I go travel and perform them live. Uh, I am just now realizing that um, you can tell by looking at me where I've seen you perform. Uh, yeah. I'm wearing a Thursday shirt and a cursive hat. Did not plan this, uh, but uh, here we are fanboying. So I saw you uh, at, the, at their show uh, with the Appleseed cast uh, a couple of weeks ago here in KC, and uh, you did one of the most courageous things I've ever seen, which is to walk out in front of three of the loudest bands in the world and uh, open your set uh, completely a cappella, uh, with no fanfare or announcement that you were starting a show. And I've never seen a room get quieter faster. Like that was. Yeah. What, what is it like to go out and 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 start start off a night of emo rock that way? Um, I I think really. What, what you're doing, I guess, in a band is that you're putting your collective talents together to kind of create one sound. And for me, going, going out and doing anything solo, I think the thing that I'm best at is singing. I think my voice is my best instrument. So I try to put that forward first so that people kind of understand that I'm not trying to compete with Thursday or the Appleseed cast recursive. I can't. Sonically, I can't. So the only thing that I can do is do the thing that I do best by myself, which I think is sing. Um, and so far it's, it, it's, it doesn't always work, but when it works, it works. Uh, that's awesome. Um, what, you've been in a, in a, in a band that performed much, much heavier music where you were doing a lot more like riff based electric guitar. Is this one of those things like, uh, you're just like, I'm going to go try something completely different for a bit or, uh, what's the plan there? <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't, I don't really see. Um, I, I think that my tenure in Lion Eyes like was amazing. You know, I, I, I love those guys and um, I, I had a lot of fun making the music that we made, but I do think there was a certain parameter or expectation of like heavy riffs or a certain sound where I feel like with what I'm doing now, there's no limitation to the palette. You know, I can kind of do anything because I don't have fans yet and I don't, no one really knows who I am. So I get to invent something that doesn't have any limits on it. And there is on the record, there's some quite heavy stuff. Um, but there's also some quite almost bare bones vocal and acoustic guitar. So I don't, I don't know. I guess that question kind of perplexes me. I, um, yeah, I'm, I, I like the, I, I'm feel really lucky to have the opportunity to do what I'm doing right now. So that's my focus, I guess. I, I guess the question comes from the place of like, you, Lion Eyes is 
a heavy band, but you guys certainly weren't limited in like what you were able to do creatively and like dabbling in influences of the, every genre across the board. So it, it's one of those where I'm like, if you were in my head, it's the Foo Fighters problem where like every time they go and record a heavy album, then they're like, well, fuck, we, we got burned out on doing that. Let's do like an acoustic tour or something like that. And just keep switching back and forth. It feels like you got the chance to, to have a lot of space there. Were these songs that you're working with now things that you'd like had in the back of your head all along? Were you ever, were you wondering about like doing acapella stuff and some of these things and, and it just wasn't right fit for the band or did you like stop one day and go like, I'm going to go see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, it was kind of like we had nothing on, we had nothing in the plans for the band for kind of the indefinite future. And I, I kind of just went instinctively went into a rehearsal space in the studio and just started writing and it wasn't any intention to sound different um, than Lion Eyes or um, there was no intention other than to kind of write songs. And the songs kind of came out, you know, like they did, I guess. And the focus was really the melody and my vocal and, and nothing else. I know Lion Eyes' last album was uh, 2019 and, and then you started into this stuff. Was this just like the perfect pandemic project for you to be like, I, I can't be around anyone else. I will start making this thing in, in my head and in my house. <laughs> um, I think the timing is really quite interesting because things seemed like they were slowing down kind of again with Lion Eyes kind of indefinitely around November of 2019. So from November, December, January, February, and March, pre-pandemic, I had already kind of been doing this. And I actually went on my first solo tour March 1st of 2020. Um, terrible timing, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really have, um, it wasn't, the pandemic certainly gave me some clarity and some space but I, I was already starting on this venture in 2019. Uh, I used to tour in bands and then I made the move from bands to stand up comedy. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're having Jesus the same joy. You, you're a glutton for punishment, huh? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, but like, I'm wondering if you're experiencing the same joy that I had in never having to like set up and tear down a drum kit for somebody ever again, or like carry a bunch of speakers around. Um, I, well, the, I'm about to head out on tour with Clutch, and I will I will have a full I'll have a full band this time. Um, yeah, there is something really freeing when I go to do solo stuff. That's like you just show up with a guitar and go. You know, that, there's something really beautiful about that. But also, in the same sense, Lion Eyes was 100% like a democratic process. Everything was split three ways or four ways between however many members were in the group at the time. And there's a real beauty to that in a lot of ways, because you get to bounce ideas off of other people and then kind of come up with this collective greater good. But I think the really wild thing about, and I'm sure it's very similar to moving to stand up where you're just going by yourself is that the, you have complete freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. You know, there's no asking, there's no consideration for other people. It's 
your vision, your, what you see it being. And there was something really refreshing about that too. Well, I, I, for one, am thrilled to never have to carry 200 pound Leslie B three speakers up and down stairs ever again. So like, yeah, we, yeah, toured, we toured with a Leslie, we toured, we toured with a Hammond organ in H 52 and a B three and an M three, um, full. And we did that for 12 years, 10 years. Now who's the glutton for punishment? Come on, man. <laughs> Me, sure. What, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd been meaning to ask like the, there's, on the on the new album, there's like uh, so many layers of things and so many other instruments playing in that create this sort of soundscape. I was wondering if you were going to get a chance to tour with the full band, or if you even had interest in doing that, because you seem to have like a really fucking great time just being you up on stage. So like, I don't know, are you planning on like alternating back and forth between that moving forward? Yeah, I'm gonna kind of do. I'm gonna kind of coordinate my sets to what is appropriate for the tour, kind of, and what the tour asked for like if a tour wants a solo acoustic i'm gonna go and do my thing because i think that's a great opportunity to go and play the songs um but ultimately the songs are presented as full band and um on this tour coming up i have uh tobe strandvik coming in um from a band called kamchakta out of sweden he's gonna uh play drums and i have dario nixad from uh, the uk coming over um playing bass and pedal steel um, so I'm kind of putting together a band to tailor each experience, I guess, uh, you know, there's no real set in stone thing and I don't have a set group of, of people that I'm cons- going to be consistent with. It'll be kind of per, per tour. Uh, when you started performing the new material and, and sharing the recordings with, with people, how, how did fans react? How did your friends react? Were they sort of surprised by this new direction you were taking? Um, I think that people's reaction was really overwhelmingly, it was really interesting. Um, more people immediately enjoyed it than anything I had ever been a part of before where like (laughs) kind of across the board, people were like, Oh, this sounds like what you should be doing (laughs) because the focal point is my voice really. So people I think we're immediately drawn to the fact that it was just my singing and melody, the melodies and the singing. And, um, and I think the songs are really strong. So for me, it was cool because the gut reaction from almost everyone that I shared it with and people who I've known for years and years and years and have supported me for years, people immediately thought this was really cool. Uh, so how did you select the songs that are uh, that that made the cut for metaphysical change? I imagine that you had a lot of things that you were dabbling in uh, headed into that. <laughs> I started with eight demos. I wrote about eight more, and then we picked the best thirteen. The songs that we felt represented kind of what I was doing on a full palette as an introduction to like where I think I'll take this thing and the, the, the idea overarching that I have for it, like the vision for it. I think this record shows you all of the things that I, I'm, I can do and that I want to do and explore. When you say we made the choices, who, who were you working with now that this is. I'm so used to saying we, I'm so used to saying we. <laughs> um, honestly, really me and, and my manager, 
Um, and a little bit my label, but yeah, me and my manager, Paul, my manager, Paul Clegg, he also manages Thursday. Um, he's got this really interesting mind that kind of sees angles from a completely different place. And he's such a fan of music. So for me, it, it's really helpful kind of surrounded by people that I think have great taste in music and are never short of opinion. So. <laughs> uh, so you are uh, going to be swinging through Kansas city at knucklehead saloon. Uh, who are you performing with? Do I know? Is it, the clutch, is it the clutch tour? Or is it Roger Klein? It's Roger Klein. <laughs> oh, cool. 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 I didn't know if I was coming through. Um, yeah. Sorry. It's just been, so crazy i'm looking now it, it sounds like you might be there for both so who knows <laughs> yeah yeah shit i i kind of yeah um you, uh, now, so. oh, you know what i'm in i'm in wichita i'm in wichita not kansas city so i'm in wichita and then i'm in sauge so i'm in that general area i think and then roger klein um yeah roger klein right at knuckleheads yeah fabulous when when is the wichita show wichita with clutch is may 13th gotcha. and then and then roger klein sorry june 18th. <laughs> no, june 18th okay so a month apart yeah that's great awesome that's fantastic um what was the song on the record that came together easiest for you <laughs> um li- living on the line was really the first thing I wrote about um, going, choosing to continue music really. Uh, Uh, Were you, were you that far on the line of like, not sure if you were going to keep this going? um, No, I think I knew that I, I think I knew I wanted to continue, continue with music. I just didn't know what that meant. Okay. So that song came together in about 10 minutes. 15 minutes and it just came out. Um, it was one of those rare moments where it was like, there was no thinking involved. It just happened. Uh, so metaphysical change is out uh, May 20th. Um, what's your elevator pitch to somebody that's never heard you before on why they should pick up a copy. Woo. That's something I should practice. huh? <laughs> um, okay. My elevator pitch to why you should pick this up is because I I think you could put this in front of anyone who considers themselves a music fan and they're going to pick up on something that's, that relates to the thing they enjoy about music. Strong melody. Um, the guest list on the record is insane. The songwriting is probably the strongest I've ever done. And, and I feel like it's coming from a really um, authentic and vulnerable place. And I think... Um, the short version of that would be I got, I don't play anything that remotely resembles emo music or punk rock music. And I was put on essentially one of the biggest emo tours of the year. And I went on a half an hour after doors and I had the most successful tour that I've had in 18 years. Um, so let the fans decide, you know, I think that that speaks for itself. That's pretty good. Nate, thank you for your time today. Look forward to seeing you come through town. Uh, and again, for everyone, uh, the album is out May 20th. So pick up a copy. It's really fucking good. <laughs> I'll see you at the show. Hopefully one see of ya. them. Yeah. Probably both of them. See you okay, later. Cool. Thanks so much, man.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Singer-songwriter Jason Bice released his debut EP, Both Sides, in June of 2019, and it was a lovely collection of introspective songs from the Lawrence singer-songwriter, produced by David George and recorded at the home studio of the Rainmaker's Pat Tomek. In the past two years, Bice's songwriting has evolved and grown in a way which makes one wonder if the man who recorded the former tracks is even the same as the man who recorded the second. His new two-song single, When I Die, backed with Green Light Glow, was engineered and produced by Till Willis of Till Willis and Erratic Cowboy and Solo Hawk, and, as fellow musician Jason Beers describes it, the desert-scorched production is just icing on the cake. It sounds like a spaghetti western take on Leonard Cohen by way of ufology. While Existential Cowboy is a fair prompt for those looking to describe it, it's also just out there in a way which feels like taking a boatload of mushrooms and then watching Yodorovsky's El Topo while digging into B-sides from R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People as well. Should you wish to take the trip, you can find both tracks at Jason Bice. That's B-U-I-C-E dot bandcamp dot com. Here's When I Die. We never met Some Wish I Talk to More Some talks I still regret
When I die mentioned uh here is our interview with ashley bland Manlove, who represents jackson county's district 26 in the missouri house of representatives uh please enjoy this wide-ranging interview and uh pay attention to the stuff that she says to pay attention to because we've got work to do casey representative ashley welcome to the show would you introduce yourself to the audience (laughs) (laughs) hey everybody my name is State Representative Ashley Bland, B-L-A-N-D, Manlove, M-A-N-L-O-V-E. Um, born and raised here in Kansas City um, and the outgoing chair of the Missouri Legislative Black Caucus, which is all of the Black elected officials in the, uh, in the Capitol building. We represent about a million Missourians. What do you mean by outgoing chair? Well, uh, my term is almost over, so um, we're we're outgoing right now, and then um, starting for the next session, uh, they'll uh, elect a new chair. What are you doing next? Who? Um, <laughs> oh no, was that too big of a question? Right out. Like, yeah, that it got heavy real quick. Um, <laughs> but no, here in the legislature. Um, You know, we're coming down to the last couple of weeks of the session, so I'm sure next session um, will be focused on um, making sure the programs are running from all this, um, from all these Biden bucks uh, we have received back here in the state. Um, So we've appropriated a lot of that and we're coming on the last couple of days of appropriations. It's over in the Senate right now. And um, So we'll be making sure that those programs are up and running and the people got the money that they were supposed to. Um, There's always a fight about um, education and whether it should be, you know, public schools or charter schools or um, should that money, that public money be used on parochial schools and private schools. Um, And what do the teachers make and what's the curriculum going to be? Are guns allowed in schools? Who can carry a gun? Um, So there's a plethora of things that would be going on uh, next session. It's always a party up at the Missouri House. (laughs) Are guns allowed in schools feels like it has a very straightforward answer, but I know that in Missouri, it does not. (laughs) It's not. Um, This year, uh, we passed out of the house uh, guns on buses. So the KCATA Metro. Um, that has not passed out of the Senate yet, um, and hopefully it will not. Um, but that is the uh, tone. Um, when I first uh, was elected in 2018 and we started the session, um, one of the first bills uh, that I was made aware of was uh, the AK-47s for everybody. Um, and that was meant as a protest bill, actually, from a Republican speaking out about how crazy 
um, and loose our laws are around guns and the Republicans kind of hijacked it from one of their own members and was like, actually, this is a great idea. <laughs> so um, as former military, you know, it's all horrifying. I'm laughing because it's one of those, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I have always wanted to ask you about that because you are, I feel like no Democrat gets through in Missouri or Kansas unless they have a military background and and you do as well and like jason kander has always been uh a friend to what happens here and i feel like uh it provides you with an an even darker more satirical uh version of what it is that people are trying to do with gun laws is like no no i i served and i i think this is a terrible idea <laughs> like terrible. how much of your time here has been fa- based on that <laughs> um more than I would like to admit, um, <laughs> actually, uh, you know, and then it's it's even more horrifying when you see the, uh, you know, veterans getting up in support of legislation like this. Um, I've tried to uh, take my experiences. Um, unfortunately, I was never deployed because I was the only black female junior enlisted with a top secret clearance. So my uh, unit wouldn't let me uh, go, even though they weren't deployed, you can volunteer. But anyway, um, had expected- I, I, I don't know what to do with that, where I'm just like, well, that sucks that they wouldn't deploy you, but also I, I don't want you to deploy, like, okay, okay, well, that's, actually, that's a conflicting. Um, <laughs> one misconception, and, and I'll get back to the guns here in just a second, but one misconception is that um, your, uh, more in danger um, uh, deployed, and and that's a false uh, that's a false assumption. Uh, when you're deployed, number one, you've been training for months on you know if something bad happens, how to conceal and carry yourself, how to defend yourself, how to actually properly use your weapon, um, and you have you're in Kevlar you know, uh, at least the top half of your body is. And sometimes you're in, you know, an up-armored Humvee. So bad things do happen. Um, of course, as we see, you are wounded vets. Um, and some attacks are worse than others. Um, but generally, um, it's more dangerous to be in the streets of Kansas City or Chicago, um, you know, unprotected. Um, and, uh, unfortunately one of my experiences was when I first came, when I first joined the military, I was helping recruiting and, uh, these two, uh, twins had, uh, deployed and, uh, to Afghanistan and had came back and, um, you know, they had joined the military to get away from violence in their community, basically. And they, uh, came home and the violence caught them. Um, and they were both unfortunately murdered in um, just like, just crazy, like what happened to them was uh, just disgusting. Um, and, and that was kind of the thing. They went up to Afghanistan and survived and then came back to the main streets of KC and survived and didn't survive. So um, that brings us to the guns. So as I said, you're, when you're deployed, you train a lot. And um, you just being in the military, even myself being in the National Guard, uh, we still trained more than, you know, what the average person would. Um, so I have introduced legislation like um, bans on um, drums and um, uh, my gun magazines, the part that holds the rounds, um, also known as clips, 
Um, so no extendos, no drums, no bananas. If you if it takes more than eight shots, you need to practice some more. Um, and that's for hunting a deer or, or if you're for more nefarious purposes. Um, so the th for me, I try to say things like that on the floor. Um, you know, if you if you need to work on your if you need more than three bullets, really, you need to work on your shooting, which means you shouldn't even have this type of weapon. And really automatic weapons are really only used for feral hogs and coyotes. Um, so there, and that, that way outweighs, uh, the use of them, the actual use of them. So, um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, as a military, I love, um, I love guns. That's not, uh, I, I own several, um, but I do not think that that Missouri should be an open carry state. I don't think that we should be the wild, wild west. And I don't think that we should be letting guns in schools, churches, or public transportation. With your background and with the gun conversations that you must be having on the floor, do you ever find it weird when you are like, well, I'm, I'm somebody that served and knows these guns and I am arguing with men who have not, but have a very different worst stance on these things. Right. And, and so as Missouri is half rural, half city, you know, and it really is split like that. It's, it's, um, there are those who are hunting enthusiasts and, you know, I challenge them to pick up, uh, archery or, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other ways or, you know, go back to the simple rifle hunting and, um, you know, you don't, there's still a regular rifle out there that only chambers a couple of rounds. Um, so, and I'm also, um, you know, a victim of, of or a, I guess a survivor victim, however you want to say that, of, of gun violence. Um, so even with that stance, uh, or I guess that, that furthers my stance on um, why military grade weapons should not be in civilian hands. And, you know, there's a lot of the uh, conspiracy theorists who say, you know, well, we got to protect ourselves from the government. Like, as a black woman in America, I, you know, I'm the one who's got to protect myself from the government, you know, um, and and I and I don't see that being an effective route. Um, I don't I don't see that being an effective route because because brute force never fixes anything, as we've learned from every war ever. In my head, the argument about like, I've got to protect myself from the government uh, got nuked a few years ago where I'm like, you know, it's just drones now. Like if if the government doesn't want you alive, like they'll take care of it. You won't see that coming. Well, um, after January 9th, I think the government is more scared of the people than they are. You know, then the people should be scared of the government. Yep, probably. Probably, um, you know, so and that happened here in Missouri, too. There was protesters outside and I had to barricade my family in my office. Um, and luckily I had one of my firearms there just in case, but it was a scary day. feel like that story really got downplayed and it was one of those things that um, I look forward to uh, journalism circling back to. Um, as a representative covering Kansas City, uh, a city with just the worst goddamn murder rate like what do you hope that this city will do moving forward to try to curb what is happening here <laughs> well uh you know that's kind of a it, it, that 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 question is several parts so right <laughs> first 
I would hope that if a petition is not launched um, to give Kansas City its local control back, which is how St. Louis got theirs back, I would hope that the board would um, appoint uh, the man who's going to be appointed as interim chief, uh, Joe Maben. Um, I would hope that they would promote him to chief um, and fully um, because I know that he's willing to get rid of the bad apples. And uh, so you feel him. good about him as as future chief? Oh, Joe Maben, definitely. Um, okay. He has been, it, he's been here in the Capitol. Uh, I'm not in the Capitol, but he's been in the Capitol because we are controlled by the state. Um, so he's one of the officers that is at the Capitol more than Rick Smith was um, vouching on behalf of, um, you know, the officers and the state of Missouri and not not always in line with the FOP, uh, which is the Fraternal Order of Police, if you guys don't know, which is one of the unions that represents cops um, who is not typically on the side of equity and um, inclusion. Um, <laughs> but so, so first we have to really repair or even create a relationship of trust. Um, then, I, that, so that's what the cops can do. And then what the city can do is, um, you know, kind of drown out those um, uninformed voices out of the Northland and continue to invest in, um, like yes, last week, the, the city recognized Black Maternal uh, Health Week, um, which is focuses a lot on doulas. A lot of people don't know. Uh, Missouri is in the bottom, you know, like 45 of uh, maternal uh, mortality and infant maternal mortality. I mean, babies and mothers dying around birth. Um, so the city decided to recognize that and um, put efforts into, uh, you know, doula programs and things like that. So we have to stop treating the symptoms and actually treat the causes. What is actual public safety? Public safety is good schools, good grocery stores, good banks, good doctors, and accessibility to all of those for everybody. That's what stops crime. And when we focus on that instead of, oh, should you go to the big jail if you're 15 or 18? That's not going to fix it. And of course, once you get out of jail, then your resources are even more limited um, on, on, on your being able to educate yourself, being able to find a job and being able to find housing. Um, so, that's what I would hope that Kansas City would focus on. Um, I know St. Louis has done a lot of that focusing too. Mayor Jones, Deshara Jones, has like allocated money. And I think that's what KCP, uh, the KC City Council was trying to do with the big debacle with the police and that whole funding situation that happened a couple years ago. Um, the part that was wrong is that they tried to change that money after it had already been through the budget process. And that's out of order. Um, now have they, but the premise and the idea was perfect. Uh, we don't need more money for more tanks. 
We need more money for more therapists in schools so these babies can address this trauma and not carry it on to the next generation. And 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 the state we've been pushing at the state, the Democrats at the state have been pushing to get money like that behind. And I would hope that the city would follow suit in those types of endeavors. I would love to pick your brain on how uh, tax disparities between St. Louis and Kansas City are affecting how charter schools are funded. But instead, I have to ask, how's Afro man? What's he like in person? <laughs> you know, um, unfortunately, I didn't get to spend um, you know any quality time with him. Uh, but um, he came down uh, because we're pushing House Bill uh, 2704, which is sponsored by Representative Ron Hicks, um, a Republican, and it's called the Cannabis Freedom Act. And it's actually um, decriminalization out of the Missouri Criminal Code. Um, and, um, and, and then helping trying to get um, equity and diversity into uh, the industry. Um, so Afro Man came down um, to support that and um, and have conversations just with the legislators. But come to find out, you know, kind of after his, you know, hit uh, song, um, he really tried to uh, take uh, those that that influence and and really help the industry and help um, melanated persons understand and get access to the industry. So it wasn't all fun and games uh, after, after he got done. It looks like he's been working really hard. Uh, every April, as we are in Alt uh, Magazine, we always have a 420 themed issue. Uh, and this year's, we have a giant deep dive into all of the legal disparities in terms of what's happening in Missouri right now and uh, in terms of these sort of things. So like to watch this bill help find sponsorship from Afro Matters, just like, good, awesome. That's what we need, I guess. Um, you you got to hope that, uh, that we can do better uh, by so many of our citizens. Um, thank you so much for your time on this Thursday. Where can people follow what you're doing next whatever that may be because you don't uh want to tell me what that is but how can people keep supporting you and see the work that you're doing well um you can always follow me um i'm old you know i'm I'm an elder millennial so uh i'm on facebook um (laughs) you're two years younger than me so like i hate what you're doing right now but sure Uh, Representative Ashley Bland Man Love um, is my work page, and you can find me on there. Um, there's also um, Mo House Dems, which is the Democrats page, uh, which can give you updates on all of the cool stuff that all the Democrats are fighting for. And um, I encourage you to uh, scroll through two other sites. One is House, H-O-U-S-E, dot Mo, M-O, dot gov. And that is our house website. On there, you can watch the live debates as they're happening on the floor. You can listen to the hearings as they're happening live. Um, And if you missed one, you can go into the archives after about 24 hours and watch an old one. And so that can, you can see for yourself uh, what chaos ensues uh, in the Capitol because we in Kansas City vote at less than 20% turnout. 
Um, so you guys got to get out and vote, man. Every time, not just the four years, every two years, there's the city council and the state. And those have way bigger impacts on your life than anything that the feds can do. Um, so if you're not registered to vote um, or you've moved recently, maybe from Kansas to the Missouri side or just just moved within Kansas City, uh, make sure you go to SOS, Secretary of State, SOS.mo.gov and click on register to vote. Um, that'll get you on there automatically. You can sign right there. Um, and have your uh, registration ready to go because there's election season coming up this summer. Before we log off, I would just like, uh, I would love to ask you this question because I want to hear it from my soul and I'm sure others will want to hear it too. But um, can, can you tell me something good about the future of progressive politics in Missouri? I, I, I know that there's a lot of odds stacked against us here and like you've been through the goddamn trenches on a lot of this. Like, do, do you think that we will do better? You know, um, right now there's, uh, there's, there's about 46 of us Democrats in the House to their 120 Republicans. This election cycle, if people come out and vote this summer, we have a chance to make that 60 Democrats. And when that happens, there's no more railroading. They really have to push for those crazy gun and anti-abortion and anti-trans and anti-black and anti-poor and anti-melanated and anti-immigrant bills uh, and anti-voting access bills that they like to pass in the house. So, you know, the biggest the biggest message is your voice matters more than you can even know. And I need I need Missouri needs the U.S. needs you to use your voice. And that's by getting registered to vote and showing up on Election Day and voting for each person or each slot on the ballot. <laughs> That was easily the best answer I've ever gotten from a Missouri Democrat. So like, I am just like fucking charged now. So I'm going to go fight the good fight. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, right. That was awesome. Uh, I will talk to you again uh, in whatever you do next. <laughs> My pleasure. Get out and vote, y'all. And that was the Streetwise podcast. Thank you guys so much for your time this week. Thank you for coming back in. Uh, we just wrapped our newest uh, issue of the magazine that'll be hitting stands on the first. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, our most recent magazine, the 420 issue is out there and full of really, really fun stories. Uh, I think you'll enjoy uh, all of those. If you haven't grabbed a copy yet, it's also available digitally on our site. Please check out the pitchkc.com each and every day. We are doing really important work over there and uh, we love to see you taking part in that, taking part in our online community. Um, really appreciate you being here as per usual. Take care of each other out there. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Uh, bye, 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 bye.
This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.